and welcome back to another episode of Millennial Manhood. I'm Yav Tjurjevic, and today I've got Jimmy Freeman with me. Jimmy, uh, tell the folks who you are, give a little uh, brief background, and introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Um, so for those of you guys that don't know me, uh, my name's Jimmy Freeman. Uh, basically, I run a edible cookie dough company with my wife. Um, and Prior to that, I've been here in Nashville for about eight years. I uh, went to Belmont University, uh, went into finance, and then realized I didn't like my job, um, and I liked making cookie dough better. So that's kind of like the story that started off my entrepreneurial journey back in 2017. Um, in the three years since, we've built up our company um, into something that we didn't really necessarily expect it to be, um, but it's been a really incredible and fun journey. Um, and I'm excited to, you know, talk to you guys about it and, you know, explain how we got from point A to, to like point, you know, Z over the last three years. Yeah. So I really want to, you need to expand a little bit on that more. So what did you do when you got into finance? So, um, when I first graduated, uh, I actually was interning for a really small financial planning firm here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Um, and I worked there for about three months before I realized I really didn't like the idea of mostly commission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I needed to make money to pay my student loans. So I actually went and found a job at Jackson national, um, which is a company that sells annuities out mm-hmm. and their office is actually based out in Franklin, Tennessee. So I did the reverse commute from Nashville down to Franklin for a while. Um, that was actually a lot of fun. I, I liked working there a lot. Um, but I've always been the person that had the problem of wanting to, you know, take control of my future before other people wanted me to. Mm. So, you know, in any normal job, there's like a little bit of politics, a little bit of, you know, you need to be here a while before you can move up, um, or, you know, get promoted or or have more opportunities. And I never liked that. Um, so I actually left that job in September of that year. Um, I took another job, um, with a financial planning firm down in Brentwood, Tennessee, which is just south of Nashville. And we were gonna do all of the marketing for the college savings plan of Tennessee. So we had a contract with the treasury department um, and we were gonna go talk to kids about like why it's important to save for college, like why they should use Tennessee's plan, all that stuff. So basically I had graduated school less than a year before that. And I'd already had two full-time jobs, <laughs> um, which is a bad sign. If anybody out there is listening to this, that's a sign that you should probably think about being an entrepreneur. Um, So I did that actually for about three months and we lost our treasury contract and the treasury department asked me if I would come work for them. So then I started working for the state of Tennessee and I worked for them from January of 2017, right up until about July of 2017. I actually had my job for probably about three it was like three, four months after No Bakes really got started. Um, Megan like started it out of our apartment. Basically, we had a two bedroom apartment and we used the second bedroom to just like store cookie dough. So we had freezers and refrigerators filling this entire room and um, we would go make it at this commercial kitchen and then bring it back there. But basically, I had three jobs and I had been out of school for like a year and a half. Um, and eventually it took it took really thinking to realize there's probably something wrong here and it's not necessarily what I'm doing. It's the fact that, you know, you're limited. Um, when you're not 
in control completely of your own destiny and, and you're the type of person that really wants to go out and like you know make something happen uh whether it be just for like passion's sake like you really like making a cool product and you're like i want to share this with the world or you know financially or like freedom wise like time wise you want to go out and have as much free time as you want or which is what it was for megan or like you know go out and be able to like not be limited on how much money you can make which is something that always frustrated me um no matter how what they tell you like you know what whether you're in a sales job or you're in some sort of like management job that is on the fast track to become the CEO of this company or whatever, no matter what you do, unless you're, you know, the person that's truly in charge, like someone always call it, calling it like some of the shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that always frustrated me a lot. Um, but that's kind of like my, my story before Novict. Um, I was just a college kid, like a recent college grad, just really trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, Cause at the end of the day, I didn't really know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so how did cookie dough happen though? So Megan had actually been making this edible cookie dough recipe since I had met her. Um, and that was back our freshman year of uh, Belmont. So that was in 2012. Um, and supposedly before I knew her, she was making the same recipe. Mm. <laughs> I can't verify that, but, um, yeah, I mean, she would make it and we would take it to parties. Um, mostly it kind of was born out of the idea that you don't have an oven in your dorm room. Mm-hmm. So you can make cookie dough, but you can't necessarily bake the cookie dough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's really how the recipe got started. And then in 2017, really that year in general, I mean, Megan and I both, we, we just started living together. Um, we were both in a place where she was actually doing the same thing I was. She had graduated with a music business degree at the same time. She had worked for two companies so far. Uh, quit her job to work for a startup. The startup ended up like reneging on their offer and didn't hire her. Mm. Um, so she was unemployed and then she got this job at Sony ATV. Um, and she was like, all right, well, you know, I'll work there. She worked there for like a month and realized she hated it. She mm. was like, I, and, and, and that was when the moment for her happened. It was probably February of 2017 where you know, not necessarily to speak for her, but I've heard it enough times that like, that's when the moment happened. She realized like she could not work for someone else. Like it just wasn't going to work. Um, and she started building this website to sell cookie dough. Um, came home and told me about it. I was like, that's a great idea. Go for it. I mean, like at the end of the day, you know, when are you going to try something like this? If not, you know, before you're 25, if I'm being mm-hmm. completely honest, like a lot of us have student loans and that sucks. But on the other hand, like you don't have a mortgage, you don't have kids. I mean, at the end of the day, what's the worst that can happen? Like yeah. you're just going to start over and you're basically already at the starting point. So that's not a big deal. Um, so she started building this website um, and started like making cookie dough in our, our kitchen, trying to like perfect the recipe she had for chocolate chip cookie dough. And then adding two more flavors, um, the confetti sugar dough that we have today and then the brownie batter cookie dough. We had a slightly different variation of that um, in the beginning. And those three flavors of cookie dough, chocolate chip, confetti, and brownie batter are what we sold on the original website. Um, That launched on March 31st of 2017. Um, I think the day that it launched, we went to my friend's pool. We were just, you know, hanging out, uh, having some beers, just having a really good time because it was like March 31st in Nashville. So, you know, it's like the first warm day. Um, his pool wasn't even open. I think some lady came in and told us like we needed to leave. Yeah. We had jumped to the fence to get in there. 
And it was a really great time because we're sitting there and, and Megan had just launched the website. She's looking on her phone and there's orders like coming in and, and albeit they're for like 10 bucks, like, like there's yeah. a couple orders and some of them are for her family or for my family. A long story short, she gets probably, I don't know, like 20 orders. Right. And mm. then the next day she's like, I don't know how I'm going to ship these. <laughs> she had not that far ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she recruits me. She's like, she calls me. I'm at work. She's like, you, you have to help me ship these. I was like, I can't, I can't do that right now. I'm working. And she was working. She was literally at her job. She just called me from her desk asking me how she's going to ship this cookie dough. And it's wild because that's the day that she was like, like really the next day she was like, I need to quit my job. So she goes in, tells her boss like, Hey, I don't have anything else to do. Cause this is why she hated her job. She literally sat there um, at certain points with like nothing to do, which is, mm. I don't want to get into it, but like one of those things where like a lot of 40 hour a week jobs, the majority of your time isn't really being spent working, um, which is something else that people should really think about. Like you don't necessarily need to work 40 hours a week. No, I don't know close. why you think you need to, but uh a lot of people in the office, like they're going up to the water cooler, they're on Facebook, doing whatever, right? Like everyone's been there. Or if you haven't, like, good for you. <laughs> don't don't try to go there. But if you've been in an office job, you realize like there's a lot of like downtime. Yeah. So she had nothing to do. Literally no work, no value to the company. She wasn't going to generate any revenue. Like nothing was happening. So she goes to her boss, says, hey, I started this company. Um, I loved working here, but you know, it's not for me. I'm going to leave. And he was like, why don't you like stay for two weeks? <laughs> and her response is no, I, I don't think I can stay for two weeks. I, I just need to leave. And so long story short, she calls me and she says, Hey, I walked out of my job. Can you come pick me up? <laughs> Cause we had been like uh, carpooling to work. I, I worked like two buildings down in downtown Nashville. It's like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> I guess you quit your job. So she walked out and she always says like she knew at that very moment that that was the last time she was ever going to work in the music industry because small town yeah, people, yeah. people would know yeah um and also like that was her like you know fully committing to the dream division yeah. burning the boat um yeah you like completely burn the ships and you're like all right here we go let's let's see what happens so anyways over the next couple months um we figured out how to make cookie dough commercially uh that was you figured out how to ship stuff yeah, figured out how to ship stuff that day. Yeah. Um, shipping cookie dough is a pain, but it can yeah. be done. And it was really cool. I, I learned a lot over the next few months about what hard work really was. So I'd always thought like, you know, I was working hard, but like I said, office jobs are not, that's not work to be completely honest. Like a lot of the time people just kind of make stuff up and I've always questioned whether or not people created the office job back in the day just so they could say like, ah, I really don't want to be at home during the day. So I'm just <laughs> going to go somewhere. And we've all found that out during COVID, right? Everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. is like, wait, I work from home and I'm more productive. And I'm like, yeah, cause your, your buddy's not coming over to your cubicle being like, Hey, have you seen the game last night? Yeah. Um, so anyways, that's wild. But I learned a lot about what hard work really was. Cause I would work during the day. Um, trying to set up meetings for the college savings plan and whatnot. And then at night I would go to the commercial kitchen, uh, which is actually over um, off of Charlotte Avenue in Nashville. It's called citizens kitchen. Hmm. Um, the people that run it are incredible. Um, there's some of, it's honestly like an incubator. 
for, for new food businesses in Nashville. I can't even go on about the number of companies I've seen come out of there that started at the same time as us. Uh, Brightside Bake Shop, which is in the nations, they started there. Um, Coco's Ice Cream, which has this really oh. cool like pink shipping container um, down off of Charlotte by, uh, I think it's by like those like volleyball courts and whatnot. Um, they started there at the same time as us. There's a lot of businesses that started out of that same kitchen. Um, so the people that ran that were great. They taught us a lot about actually, you know, making food. Um, neither of us, I mean, we'd worked at restaurants as a server during college, but never, never really got our hands dirty. Um, yeah. So that was a really great experience of learning, you know, what it takes to like manage a kitchen, what it takes to actually produce things correctly. Um, but I was working at night and then also working during the day. Uh, I think July rolled around and we were looking for a scoop shop or a store to lease so we could turn it into a scoop shop. We'd gotten the idea in our head after doing pop-up shops all summer where we would set up this tent and sell cookie dough to people in 12 South or sell it at events um, and things like that, that, Hey, we could open a shop and we could scoop it like ice cream and sell dessert. It'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. So anyways, we eventually find this place that nobody wants to lease. Um, and we're convinced that they're going to lease it to us. This isn't the end of July. So I quit my job. Um, and I remember the day I quit my job. I was like, yeah, I'm going to leave. My boss was like, Hey, why don't you stay for two weeks? Unlike Megan, I was like, yeah, why not? And actually I like told her like, Hey, I'm going to stay for, I think it was like seven days or something like that. Like I was, I quit on like a Wednesday and I was going to stay till next Friday. Well, I had like a very flexible job. So I just straight up just didn't come into the office. I was like, well, I'll stay. I'll stay and collect my paycheck if you insist. Um, that's the most that's the most government job thing I've ever heard in my oh, life. It was it was horrible. Um oh, I was like, you know what? I will just not come into work, but you can pay me. You can and I will take it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, we I quit my job and we thought we'd sign a lease. Um it actually took another eight weeks for us to get a lease signed. We signed <laughs> a lease or maybe it was like six or seven weeks, but we signed a lease in the first week of September. And we'd been doing pop-ups all August, July, saving money, underestimating how much it would cost to open the store. Mm. Um, and we ended up going to that first scoop shop, again, learning a lot about hard work. And also, I think there's something to be said about just taking the leap of faith. A, a lot of people, I think, overthink things too much. And I think something that was to our benefit was at the time we weren't. Um, there have been other times in Novak's history where we have overthought everything and it did not turn out well. Um, but when we were very naive and we were just going into things as 23 year olds, just like, Hey, like, how can we make this work? There were, there were no preconceived notions. So we went into that first store September 7th or 9th. I think it's when we signed the lease. We, went to the store um it had been a restaurant before it's over by centennial park in nashville it's a big white building it had actually been five different restaurants in like seven years they'd all failed so Sounds about right. we're going to do a great spot um there was already a kitchen built so there wasn't any structural work that really needed done and if anyone had ever been to that store they would probably be able to tell you the the construction even in our store is pretty shoddy and that is because after leasing it getting quotes from contractors that week we realized we had no money or not enough money. We did have money, but we did not have enough money to pay someone to build the store. So I built the store. Oh. <laughs> and those next six weeks, I built the store with Megan, my good friend, Caleb, um, 
who was our first employee. And then also with my dad at a certain point, he came down and, and helped me. Uh, I'm not a carpenter. I, I don't build things. So if, if anyone has been in that store and noticed the tile is crooked, then I'm sorry. <laughs> but but that, that's, that's essentially how it happened. And, and the way it actually happened was I was convinced we could find someone to pay to do it. And, and this is a good, I think there's, there's a, a small little lesson in this. Um, I'm the type of person that, that will do anything to get from point A to say like point like Z, like, mm-hmm. like the whole end of the alphabet. Like I'll envision like where we're going and be like, we need to get there. Back in June of that year, I told Megan, like what we need to do is like really nail down the concepts, nail down the brands, build a store and then we can franchise it and we can really start to grow the company. Um, and I had this vision in my head to do that. And, and as we'll talk about, like it, it sort of came true, sort of. Um, we're in a completely different place now, but yeah, I want to, ha- yeah, Sorry, go, go, ahead. go for it. Yeah. I, I, I want to touch base on that. So, so, yeah, you know, there's a lot of evolution happening here. So you go from quitting your job, Megan quitting, quitting her job. So I remember when I, the first time I met you, so we got reconnected here recently, but yeah, I met, I met my wife and I were at a fundraising event. You guys were at a fundraising event and I remember, um, you guys introducing yourself and, and saying, you know, you run a cookie dough operation and I had no idea what the hell you were talking about. I was just like, okay, cool. <laughs> Tamara knew exactly what you were talking about. So good job. You marketed to the right person. Cause I don't buy the, buy the stuff in our house anyway. Um, but then we got reconnected and, and there's been a lot of evolution there. So I want to start with how do you go from, Hey, we're making cookie dough. We're storing it in our second bedroom of our apartment to having multiple locations, franchise, you know, franchising out, et cetera, in a relatively short period of time. Like what happened there? And then we'll dig into what happened during COVID and all, all, all the stuff on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a great question. And it, it leads into like what I was going to say. Um, Megan has this uncanny ability to get from uh, today to tomorrow, mm-hmm. no matter what. Um, so she had actually rolled over in bed and then looked at me the day that we had no money to like build a store and just it was midnight or one in the morning and she was like, we're going to have to build a store, just us. And I was like, I don't understand what that means. Um, yeah. I, I figured it out by the next morning. That meant I was going to go rent tools and build the store. <laughs> um, that's how specifically I've been thinking a lot lately about like, how does that happen about resiliency and about kind of like the ability to power forward the combination of the way I think and the way Megan thinks to get from today to tomorrow. And then the way that I think to get from like, say today to next year, um, when you combine those two talents with like a a founding team, it it works out really well as far as resiliency, because when I say like get from today to tomorrow or today to next year, I will do anything. And I Mm -hmm. mean anything to get today for next year. And Megan will quite literally do anything and get real, real creative when under pressure to get from today to tomorrow. Mm. Um, there've been a few times in our company's history, we've had to do that more than a few. Um, and I think any entrepreneur, if they're trying to grow fast, they're trying to do what we did. Um, they're going to run into a lot of those. You're going to run into a lot of situations where it feels as if though you cannot make it through it. Um, Mm. or it feels as if though this is a stonewall when we did not have enough money to build our store, the majority of people would have probably said like, we're screwed. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. There's not necessarily a very easy answer. There is also no right answer. Building the store yourself isn't even the right answer. The right answer is just whatever you have to do to get it open. As fast just figure as it out. Possible. Yeah. Um, we were building a store in Cincinnati last year. 
um, and we failed an inspection with the, the store and then the drywall people wouldn't come back. So in, in typical fashion, and, and it was much more normal now, I literally drove there with another employee of ours who's a manager and we drywalled the tops of the walls because they needed drywalled apparently um, because the fire marshal said so. And we just put drywall on top of all of the walls all night long. It, it, took, it took like from, I don't know, like 10 in the morning until like three at night and it was real, real weird. And we just had a really weird time, but it was one of those times where, you know, you just have to say like, well, what am I going to do to move the needle? And what do I have to do? And learning that resiliency over time has been something that's made us special. You asked about how we've grown so fast and, and that's literally the only thing I can think of other than the products. The product is really important. Um, I mean, I'll say it again, like so many times, but you just cannot sell something that's not good. Yeah. Uh, I recently listened to this podcast that had the the founder. I, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, it's like Paul or John Paul DeJoria. Um, he's the co-founder of Patron and Paul Mitchell. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like his mantra. You have to sell value. And, and I get that. Like some people are salespeople, but they're still like, I, I cannot sell someone something that they don't want to buy again. Yeah. Um, cause it's ridiculous. So, I mean, that's really how we scaled the company. Um, other than that, I think we just got really lucky for the first, first year, year and a half. Um, we didn't, re other than getting the store built, we didn't run into any true resistance, any, any true adversity or failure for about 18 months after founding the company. Um, well, so we opened that first store and we just knocked it out of the park. Um, there was a line around the block. It was like a two hour line for the first day of the grand opening, which is a really validating feeling. Uh -huh. uh, this is the most validating thing that you can possibly have. And then our immediate focus and, and another thing that makes me good when paired with Megan, Megan needs to be under pressure to, to really like make the needle move. Like I said, from today to tomorrow, I, I have this, issue i don't know if it's an issue or a problem or a good thing where my immediate feeling when seeing that line and watching how successful the first store was was what's next yeah like where are we going now because there has to be a, where you're going now like why would you stop and so the fact that we had vision in the beginning you know back in the very like early days of that summer like hey this is where we're going we immediately um we hired this law firm to help us with legal documents for franchising. Um, we had someone make an operations manual for us. Um, we started putting all the pieces in place to get the ball moving to franchise the company um, two weeks after we opened the first store. Hmm. So I don't recommend that anybody does that. For I'll, I'll go back and say that was a mistake all day long. It, it probably was a mistake, truly. But because it was just so new, you don't franchise something that's that new. And I heard that a lot. Um, after doing it and, and going back and looking at it now, I, I do agree. Like, you know, you need a little bit of legs before you make a decision like that. It was a very large investment. We took all the money we made and granted. So when we were, even when we were building the store, we still had to like take out credit cards and whatnot to get the store open. Mm -hmm. We had maxed out every credit card we had, which <laughs> credit score is 550. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I will recommend this to any entrepreneur. You're trying to get your business started. I think getting debt for personal things is really dumb, but mm -hmm. use every tool you can and you can get credit cards very easily. So I'm just going to throw it out there. 
go for it if you're going to spend it on a business. Um, yeah, there's a difference between buying, getting a credit card to buy dumb crap from uh, Target, and then there's a difference between, <laughs> you know, if if I go buy an apartment complex, um, yeah, and I put a couple yeah. million dollar debt on it, but it's paying me, you know, it's paying the entire debt and paying me twenty grand a month. That's that's not exactly. bad, that, guys. No, it's not. Um, so we, we had done all of that. We paid all of that debt off, um, with like literally the money we made in the first week because the store was just, the store was murdering it. Like it was just killing it. Well, and And then you guys have, uh, I was looking at your website earlier. You have three stores in Nashville, one in Chattanooga, one in Cincinnati, one in Lexington, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, Springfield, Missouri. And this is like, I mean, literally like three years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we actually were, we're, we were building three more uh, and yeah. we'll get into that later. <laughs> we were, <laughs> yeah. we may still be, but that's, that's in a gray area now. Um, we, so we took all the, that money and then we took the, the rest of the money we had, like literally everything we had, we dumped it into franchising. Um, and then we took all those credit cards we had. And as you can imagine, if you max them out at that level and then you pay them off immediately, they give you your credit score goes up. Yeah. <laughs> it goes up a lot. Yeah. Um, another fun trick for all of you out there. Um, oh yeah. Manipulating you, credit is, is one of the yeah. most fun things ever. It's extremely easy. So, you know, we maxed out like 30 K in credit cards. It was all in Megan's name. My credit wasn't that great. Um, I had already had like some debt from like random junk, uh, that I'd gotten into like my student loans. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't going to happen. Megan took out those credit cards um, and I used mine as well. I had like $15,000 like credit. We paid all of those off and then we maxed them out again, building the Louisville store, which mm-hmm. opened in March. So we immediately had turned our focus to like, we're in a franchise and now like we're hungry. We're building another store. Like I want this again. I was yeah. like, I want that feeling again. I want it now. And so that hunger can be a good and bad thing. You'll end up seeing like later in the story, it was the downfall of our, our company for a while. Um, it was what put us on the ropes over and over again. Another like little piece of advice for anyone listening to this, your competitors will never put you out of business. You will put you out of business. And I learned that the hard way. So it's one of those things where like you could be hungry, you spend all your money on random stuff or investments. Eventually you're going to pick the wrong one. Um, so we are going super fast. We built that next door and wouldn't you know it, the Louisville store made the Nashville grand opening look small. Mm. So we had that two hour line, but we had it for six weeks straight. So it was wild. Like it was like the wild west. Um, We made more money than I think any 24 year old should ever make in a very short amount of time. (laughs) And we, at that point started to lose the vision of where we were going. We got very enamored with our own success. This is March of 2018. So mm-hmm. we had been doing this for 12 months. So we had gone from apartment, like making shipping orders out of an apartment to a year later having two stores, all of our franchising documents done, two grand openings that had made six figures in 30 days. And now we're looking at like, the roadmap of the company and that's when you start to get off track because Mm -hmm. that's when if you don't have a very very good plan or you're not very grounded you start making decisions based on a whim 
And so our, our thought process after that was like, okay, we're going to keep, we're going to franchise, but we're going to keep opening our own stores. But that didn't make any sense because that wasn't the original vision. Um, ended up making a little bit of sense, but not that much. So like I said, we have, like you said, we have three stores in Nashville. We actually opened the next store that we opened was in Nashville. That was our first failure. So the store we opened in Germantown in Nashville was the biggest mistake I have ever made in my entire life. And to this day, I despise that store. It's closed now. So yeah, I was about to say, it's opening. not open. It's not on your website. So you can't, you can't despise it that much. It's never, it's never opening that. It's never opening again. We also opened an ice cream concept. So we got to the point where like we visited New York. We found this like ice cream shop we liked. And we were like, we're just going to, we're going to open one because okay. everything we open turns to gold. So yeah. we really like that summer. Like we're just like, dude, like we're going to do it. If we do it, it's going to work. And once you get into that mindset, it's bad. It's why I think everybody should at least have a little bit of failure. The Germantown store and Cosmic Creamery, which was our ice cream brand, those were our taste of failure. Um, eventually, we had to close Cosmic. It lost a lot of money. Like, over the course of its life, it was open for about a year. Um, and the Germantown store never really made me money. Um, today, we actually use that as our commissary. And so we make all of the cookie dough that we ship out online inside of that store. So we found a way to repurpose it. And again, this is a good... A good lesson, I guess, uh, at least for me, or it was a good lesson for me. You take the failures and you try to turn them into positives because you're always going to have failures. Um, you're always going to make a mistake. It's just the fact that we didn't expect to make mistakes. That was the problem because what happened is we opened Germantown and then we just kept going. We were like, well, that's just a blip. Like, that's not going to happen again. So we opened uh, the store in Edgefield Village here in Nashville and that store did well. But all it did was cannibalize the other store that we had open. Mm. So the city's sales, like Nashville's sales, stayed about the same. So we're sitting you here just now. Split them amongst multiple locations. Amongst three locations, which is not good. Um, and then we also opened uh, a store in Cincinnati late in, in 2019, um, which is like, you know, that's all going into the future. And then we also, in the summer of 2018, we sold three franchises. We opened three franchises over the next six months. Those all were a mixed bag. Some of them did really well. Some of them didn't. And what we ended up with was two years after the company was started in March of 2019, we had seven stores open and none of them were doing very well. And some of them were doing okay. That summer, some of them would do sort of well. But what we ended up learning was that maybe we did this too quickly and maybe we don't know what we're doing when it comes to retail. Like maybe yeah. we're not, you know, a retail company. Then right around the time I probably met you, um, we had this like moment where we were opening the Cincinnati store. We had signed leases in Atlanta. We're somewhere where we were about to open a store. Um, Atlanta, Cool Springs in Nashville. Um, and then also fifth and broad, which is this development that was going to go on Broadway in downtown Nashville um, and open in March of this year before the pandemic. <laughs> so yeah. that was going to be a really great location, I, I think. Um, but that that's all on hold. And really what had happened is we had this moment probably in September of 2019 where we were like, what are we doing? You know, we've had 18 months of like absolute failure. Like everything we did, like it felt like we were banging our head on a wall. Like we had had so much success and then suddenly like you try to repeat it, it doesn't work. Try to repeat it again, it doesn't work. And you start asking yourself why. 
the conclusion we came to eventually was that we're a cookie dough company going back to the products. Like we make a really, really great product. I will, I will go out there and just say that I think it's better than any other cookie dough out there, any other edible cookie dough out there. I would say, if you uh, question me, go try. I, I would love to hear your thoughts too. I really think we make the best cookie dough you possibly can make. What we don't do well is operate retail stores. What we don't do well is, is really do anything else. Like we had, we had to like be really honest and say like, what are we really actually like good at? Like, what are we perfectionists at? And, and really it's like the ability to be resilient. Like, I think we're, we're good entrepreneurs. At least I, I think we are. Um, but what I know is that we're good at making cookie dough. And so what we decided back in September was we're going to sell our cookie dough in any way we possibly can, but we're really going to try to focus in on the best way to get the product to the consumer um, and make us more of a cookie dough company and less of a company that's operating basically with restaurants. Like I'm not a restaurateur. I know a lot of really great restaurateurs in Nashville. Trust me, they are better at it than I am. They are yeah. so much better. You have to be passionate. You have to be in there. You cannot build seven, eight locations and the amount of time we did with the lack of experience. Um, that's just something that doesn't happen. And then that's why it's so, it seems impressive because it's like, this isn't, this isn't supposed to be something that happens. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's more of a, almost a fluke if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and it's, it's something that I'm thankful for. And I think it's great, but like at the end of the day, you have to recognize things for what they are. And you have to say like, you know, this is a blessing because we get to learn from it. It's also a blessing that we, we failed without failing. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like cosmic folded. Um, but it didn't fold me. Um, no baked had locations. It didn't do very well, but didn't fold the company. It got close, got very close many times, like many, many times in the winter, especially winter of 2019, right after that moment, we ran out of money a couple times. So there, there was a few weeks there where I had to make payroll, I didn't know where the money was going to come from. Mm. And literally it's like going around to all of your bank accounts for each store, trying to make sure the right amount of money is in each one going into my own personal checking account and saying like, okay, well this money is going to payroll because I have to make sure my employees are pay and paid. And also to the point where like Megan and I didn't pay ourselves for like six months Yeah. Um, to the point where it's like going into COVID and, and really the crazy part of my story, um, like we hadn't even paid our apartment rent in two months. Yeah. We were, we were in a bad spot. Um, again, resiliency is helpful. And I also will say personally, I was extremely happy, um, in the moment. And it's something that's helped me realize that the real joy of being an entrepreneur, the joy of no baked or whatever you might call it, doesn't really come from the money. It, it comes from the journey. Um, but I, I was very content, I would guess you'd say, like in, in the struggle. So not to say that it was a bad thing, but it was definitely like we were on the ropes. Uh-huh. And that had happened before. Um, maybe not as bad, but it had been a really weird situation. Plus, a side note, um, Megan was eight months pregnant during uh-huh. uh, like February. So it was, it was a really weird time for us because, you know, we were broke. Our company was like really, really struggling. We figured we're going to come out of the winter strong and, and things will recover, which is usually what would happen. Our sales are down in the winter at the shops. And, you know, we were hopeful and we had a plan. And most of that plan relied on us also switching to online sales, which ironically was helpful for COVID. Uh-huh. 
so kind of going into the COVID story, which I'm sure people have questions about, I own a bunch of retail stores. Yeah, yeah, Obviously, yeah. They so, had so what happens? Yeah, let's go, let's go into that. So COVID happens, March 16th happens here in, in Nashville. You got to shut down all the stores. You, are, you haven't paid yourself in two months. You haven't made pay or you've been moving money around to make payroll, et cetera. Um, what happens to no bake cookie dough? Yeah. So we, we actually, right before COVID happened, payroll actually bounced. Mm. Um, our payroll company covered it. Um, mm. And then we were able to give, pay them back. Um, like our bank account, like overdrafted and everything was freaked out for, for a minute. It's very nice of the, the payroll 20, company to cover it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a serious solid. <laughs> and I will never forget that. Um, yeah. And I, I honestly, if you talk to any entrepreneur, like they've been there, like there will yeah. be at least one time where you'll be there. I, mm. So we went into beginning of March, uh, our Germantown store actually got hit by the tornado that hit Nashville. Oh gosh. And I okay. lived in Germantown. So I walked down there and I lived a few blocks away from where the tornado hit on down on like Monroe and uh, I lived on Monroe and third. So it's probably three blocks away from Christie cookies, which got like its roof torn off and whatnot. So Megan had actually woke up and so did my dog and they told me there was a tornado and I said, no, there's not. That was my reaction as I was waking up. I was like, no, there's a tornado. Like I'm mm. going back to sleep. You guys are crazy. <laughs> and I walked down there at 5 Little did you know. Megan, yeah. Megan showed me tweets of buildings around our store that were destroyed. And I was like, all right. And you guys know how I feel about the Germantown store. I was like, maybe it's gone <laughs> I was like, maybe it is gone so you i the, walk my dog i walk my dog down there hoping that it was gone yeah you were the only person that hoped their business was gone i i know it was it was wild so I, obviously everything was going really poorly up until that point so i was like well at least if i get close one i got yeah. this lease yeah because this is the, the building will be gone in the lease it says if the building is destroyed and they can't rebuild it in six months i can leave so mm. I was like, that's, that's how I'm getting out of this lease. And I go down there and the only building that's untouched. And by the way, the twister was in our parking lot. It knocked over a, an eight foot concrete wall on the other side of the parking lot. Our building, especially my store, untouched. Mm. Ridiculous. Yeah. I had one window shattered. Now I will say that ended up being the biggest blessing ever which a lot of these things end up becoming oh, throughout march uh, march was the strangest month of my entire life so tornado hits we have to close germantown down we'd actually planned on starting production for the online store at germantown the day the tornado hit mm -hmm. so that morning my manager texted me and said hey i don't think we're going to germantown anymore are we and i said no no we're not <laughs> Because you couldn't actually get to Germantown. Like they closed all the roads, the power lines were down. It was, it was like a disaster zone. I lived in the dark for a week. It was it was crazy. Um anyways, so that happened. Um and then March 16th, which is right after that, they shut everything down for COVID and we actually had to shut all our stores down. We had been struggling with employee problems as well, staffing issues. I'd been driving back and forth to Cincinnati. They we shut our stores down on March 16th, giant sigh of relief. Mm. I, I, I say that knowing that people are probably like, this guy's crazy, but seriously, I felt relieved. I was like, I don't have to go work this random shift at this store. I don't have to struggle anymore. It's, it is finished. Like, it's just like, they're closed. I can't do anything about it. This actually feels kind of nice. 
I was broke. So like most people also would probably be like, dude, you're crazy. But seriously, it felt very relieving. Um, so ended up being a blessing. Um, the craziest thing that happened though, was I have this friend, his name is Chandler Welling. He runs uh, Welling Media down in Franklin, Tennessee. He's a really great guy. He does a lot of the media and content for Snow, the teeth whitening brand. Um, he works with a couple other really, really big brands uh, around the country and like consumer uh, e-commerce, like really like consumer packaged goods specifically. And he had met me about a month before. I'd met him through a guy. So I met this guy on the side of the road doing a pop-up for No Baked actually. And then he invited me to this like entrepreneur get together that they were doing. I met this other guy at that dinner. Um, he introduced me to Chandler and then I had like coffee with Chandler a month or so later. He told me about what he did. I literally just met with him because at the time I was just trying to meet other entrepreneurs in Nashville that I could just be friends with, just yeah. talk to. Um, so we had this cool meeting. He told me kind of about his story and how he built his company, what it is today. Um, and it was really cool because he called me up you know, on March 16th or around that time, it's like, Hey, you know, why don't you just commit to spending $300 a day on ads? We'll run them for you. You know, we can talk about like money later and, and we'll figure it out. But like commit to $300 a day on ads. You, you guys are on the ropes. Like that's build your online store. And to give you guys context, our online store was, was something we were working on. Like I said, but are we done $15,000 in sales? uh in february like it wasn't a very big piece of our business um our stores in comparison you know in midsummer can do almost two hundred thousand dollars yeah. in sales combined so it, it's like this is a very small piece of your business like what are you doing um i was like fine you know and, and megan was like fine let's throw the hell mary we have to we have to we have a new option so we were like we're gonna spend three hundred dollars a day on ads and we're gonna see what happens and also megan to her credit went out uh, did this giant influencer campaign basically being like, Hey, COVID hit, you know, will you post for us for free um, to help us like employ our employees? Because also during that day, the sad thing about March 16th and the thing that I will never forget, but ended up not hurting us for that long is I had to lay off every employee. We, had. Mm. It, we, we employed quite a few people and especially our managers who, you know, like they rely on us to pay their bills. Like these are people, these are real people. Um, that that just that just sticks with you. Yeah. Um, again, I got to rehire them back pretty quickly, but at the same time, like it still it hurts. It's never fun laying someone off when they literally did nothing wrong. Um. Anyways, we started running those ads. Um. Over the next two weeks, we sold about eighty thousand dollars of cookie dough mm. online. So, it transformed what we did in a good way and a bad way, it, it was wild. And, mm -hmm. and it's still to this day, it, it's shocking how much cookie dough we continue to sell online. Um, our e-commerce sales exploded. So, you know, during- Are you past April, what your stores were doing in the heat of summer? We, we are. So, so mm -hmm. we, we passed that up um, and, and we passed it up really quickly and it just stayed there. And, and one of the, the great things to its credit is the fact that Chandler's team really knew what they were doing when it came to targeting um, mm -hmm. and retargeting our customers and to Megan um, and, our, and all the people that work for us internally really created a great brand and great content. I mean, back in the day, 
when we originally started this, we built everything on Instagram. And yeah. so now we have this huge Instagram following that pr prior to this had never been monetized or never been really used correctly. This really great website that had just not been, it had been underutilized. And, and it's crazy how when we let things die, we have actually closed two of our national stores, including the original one permanently. And, and that was hard, but when you let things die that need to die, um, when you let them go and you can move on to focus on something else, when you can pivot, when you can truly pivot your business, by allowing things to not drag you down by recognizing what a sunk cost really is it's just a sunk cost like yeah it was great at the time yes you put all this money into it but no you cannot keep it like that being able to recognize that that's what built our business it's what transformed our company um i'm proud to say that the turnarounds that we we did from basically having absolutely no money going into COVID, having to close all our stores essentially was turned into our company being leaner, stronger, way more well-equipped to deal with COVID and way more well-equipped to deal with just being a cookie dough company. Mm -hmm. We sell more cookie dough online than we ever sold through our scoop shops. Now, when we reopened our scoop shops, we actually applied those same lessons to the shops and started driving sales through our website, um, which did help a lot. And our, and our stores are all doing much better today than they were doing pre-COVID. Um, which is good, but it also, you know, it's, it's summertime. They lifted a lot of the, the bands, which I don't know how long that'll last. But at the same time, you know, I'm not relying on the stores anymore. Mm. And that's a really good feeling because I can see, you know, what they're capable of when I don't have to pay myself or pay our marketing coordinator, or pay other people that work for us out of, you know, those stores pockets and because they probably weren't able to afford that, but maybe they are making a little money and, eventually they can reinvest in themselves and we can do something cool there. Um, but again, like letting things die and pivoting, um, that's something that COVID forced us to do. If I had known what I knew now, I would have been much more likely to close stores or completely pivot or completely like just go for it months and months ago. It didn't necessarily need to be a pandemic to make it happen, but it kind of did because it's like pulling teeth. Like yeah. when you're an entrepreneur that builds something with your own hands, like you don't want to like let it go. And, and sometimes you, you really need to. So yeah. I mean, it's I, been I, a really interesting experience. I think the letting it die part is, is by far the most interesting part of that whole conversation because there's that whole sunk, sunk cost fallacy where we fight like hell to preserve something that we've put a lot of time and energy and effort into whether it, whether we should or shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we really do. Um, and sometimes it's it's i think like the emotional connection that you have to it like obviously i built that store and i went there the day before it closed and i was this is this is sad mm -hmm. um, like you know i had to move all the stuff out i got all of our employees to come over and help me move all of it over to like a storage unit and over to the germantown shop where we now produce all the online cookie dough and I was like, this is, this is rough. But at the same time, you know, the landlord was kind enough to let us just leave recognizing yeah. the situation we were in and, you know, really help us out. And, and then as far as closing Germantown, clearly it's, it's now used, it's utilized. Um, if I was able to close some other stores, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't. Um, but again, like they're not the focus of the company. Like the goal in the future, again, is to focus on the cookie dough, focus yeah, on yeah. The stuff that really actually matters and, and let the rest of it take care of itself. Focus on the one thing that does what it needs to do for you.
Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and really just target it strategically. Um, you know, I mean, it's interesting. It's like this cautionary tale of just growing too quickly, losing focus, becoming something that you're not because what you initially liked was making cookie dough, not running a bunch of stores. Yeah. Yeah. That's completely true. Um, you got to focus on the one thing that you're really, really good at and let the other things either take care of themselves or find employees that can help you take care of them. Or, you know, ideally when you're a company of our size, find a third party that can help you. Like even now we're looking for third party manufacturing someone else to fulfill our orders for online. Um, and in a couple other areas of our company, even using Welling media to run our digital ads, um, is us just admitting like we know nothing about running Facebook and Instagram ads or Pinterest ads or Google ads. That's like, you know, some math stuff that I don't understand at this point. Like there's an algorithm behind it. There's a buying option and I don't understand the ins and outs of it. And I would prefer someone who knows what they're doing to do it as opposed to me doing it. So what's the, um, what's the vision? Let's say five years from now at this point. Yeah. So what does it look like? We actually came up with this back in September uh, of 2019. So the, the vision stays the same. It remains the same today that it was then. Um, and we're going to stick to it this time. <laughs> the, uh, the true vision for the company. Yeah. The true, true vision for the company is to be a consumer package brand okay. um, that people can recognize everywhere. Uh, you know, Megan and I talk about this all the time. It's not about the money. It's not about any kind of revenue target for us. It's really about, I want to walk into a grocery store anywhere. And I want to be able to see my product on the shelf and mm-hmm. that's it. I want to be able to go in someone's house and see it in their refrigerator. That's literally what I want. Um, that's what Megan wants. We want to be a cookie dough company and we want to be one that's recognized for how good our product is. And we want our product to be available everywhere. And, and I think there's something cool to be said about that because at the end of the day, Megan started this company because she really liked cookie dough. Yeah. We started selling it because we knew that her cookie dough was really good. Yeah. And we started sharing it with people and our customers started sharing it with people and following us on Instagram because it was really good. Yeah. We were literally just trying to share something that we think is great with a bunch of people. And, and that's the vision for the company. It's no longer about like store count. It's no longer about revenue. It's no longer about anything else. It's literally about the product. Um, and when you focus on that one thing, you'll start to see the other things take care of themselves. Obviously you still have to have a budget, a strategic plan, but those things will evolve. Mm-hmm. The overall vision though, shouldn't evolve. The vision should be like, I want to see the cookie dough everywhere. So let's make that happen. Um, you know, I would recommend that for anybody who's doing any kind of like consumer package good. Like don't focus on the money, focus on some other thing that, that is, I guess, more attainable because you can never predict like, I don't know if anyone's ever done like a budget or if you done like a pro forma for a startup, but it's always wrong. Yes. <laughs> it's always it's imaginary. Right. Yeah. It's never correct. Especially when you start predicting the sales. I'm like, if you predict the sales of a company that's less than 10 years old, you're crazy because if you don't, you can't. I mean, even, even big companies can't predict their sales. I mean, Netflix, I think I just read an article this morning, but during the second quarter, they added 10 million subscribers. That's a huge revenue jump. They couldn't have predicted that. Mm-hmm. Likewise, you know, what if they lose a bunch of subscribers like net loss after all of this is over? Like, you couldn't predict that either. Um, they, even at a large scale with an old company, you can't predict that stuff. The new company, a new product, 
or any kind of new idea, you're never going to know what's going to happen. So you got to focus on something else, like some kind of like attainable vision. So let, so let me ask you this, you know, we're running up on time here and, and I think the story was awesome and, and cautionary and encouraging at the same time. But, you know, I always like ask, I always like ending the conversation on the same note because, and I think this would be really poignant with what you just talked about, but you know, you go back to 18 year old Jimmy, like what's, what's a piece of advice you give yourself knowing what you know now. And it's not like you're that far removed from 18, but you're pro- you probably feel yeah. like you are. You probably feel like you're a couple century, centuries removed from it. At this point, I feel kind of old because I have a three-month-old. But <laughs> I, I, um, I think if I could go back and give myself any piece of advice, that's actually an interesting question I've never been asked before. Um, but it would be the one thing that I've realized very recently is that, you know, everybody has a talent. Sometimes it's very hard to identify that talent. Um, the talent that I believe I have now um, is is to be resilient in the face of serious adversity. So I would encourage myself to seek out adversity more often. Don't take the easy path. You know, there were so many times up and until no bakes where I, I took the easy path. The easy path is taking a job when you graduate college. Uh, the easy path is going to college, like in general. I think there's some people that should and some people that shouldn't. You should decide for yourself. You know, you should decide whether or not there's ROI there. I, I don't know if there is for everybody. Um, you should decide whether or not you want to take on a new ta- a hobby or, or a new or a new thing that you want to I've always wanted to try to do and, and not let other people tell you you're too old or too young or anything like that to do it. You know, recently I started learning how to box. Um, and it was one of those things where I was like, I've always wanted to know how to box. But I've always just been too afraid to like, you know, go to the gym, be the guy that's new and doesn't know how to box from 26. Yeah. And like other people have been doing it since they were like a kid. So why, why do I want to be the new guy now? Don't let that ever stop you. Like those little things um, are things that I would tell myself, but really summing it all up and just seek out adversity. Don't shy yeah. away from it. Yeah. Just seek it out. I love it. Because you're good at it. I love that. Seek out adversity. I don't think we've had anybody say that on the podcast. Well, that's good. But there you go. So, I mean, sometimes sometimes things get repeated because it's just like like people just learn the same thing over and over. I mean, some and, of them and that's are really totally good things, though. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, how can people find you guys? How can people buy cookie dough from you? How can people like just yeah. give us give us the whole sales pitch on how to get a hold of you? I, I will give you guys a sales pitch. So, if you are craving cookie dough after this conversation, you can go to No Baked with a D on the end, cookiedough.com. Um, no baked is grammatically incorrect. So it will get, it will get corrected to no baked, but it's no baked Um, you can find us on Instagram at no baked. Um, and you can also link to our shop from there on Facebook at no baked on Twitter at no baked on Pinterest, everywhere you could possibly imagine at no baked. It's always the same handle. Um, and then if you want to find me, it's at James Feeman on Instagram. Um, and that's the only social media I am active on and it's rare. But uh, yeah, I mean, thanks so much for having me on today. I, I really appreciate it. I love telling our story. That's, that's really the, the big thing for me is no, being I, able to tell people about the products and the brand. I can tell you love, you're passionate about it and it's, it's fun. It's a good story. And, you know, we'll have all the social media stuff in the, in the description when the, when the actual episode is released. I just followed you on Instagram, all that good stuff. 
no, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a lot of fun. And uh, a fact, the fact that, you know, you are a, you are living proof of the fact that yes, COVID is terrible, but it doesn't have to mean the end of the world for all of us. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's again, it's one of those adversity things. Um, COVID has forced us all to face adversity. Mm-hmm. Every single person on the face of the earth. And a lot of people will find that they actually succeed way more. And they, bec- they come out on the side way more successful in this situation because they were forced to. Mm-hmm. That, that's wild. And that actually, I've seen it happen all over the place. Like people that were complacent, are now no longer complacent because you can't be complacent in the face of adversity. Uh-huh. It's, it's a really weird concept, but it's like the more you challenge yourself, which people don't like to be challenged. I would rather sit on the couch, drink beer and eat ice cream. Yeah. Just saying, but I think everybody would. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like you have to be challenged if you're going to get better. Um, it's like working out. It's not, it's not always easy, but it, it's actually way more rewarding than sitting on the couch, drinking beer and eating ice cream. Correct. I mean, it's, it, yeah. Yeah. You feel a lot better after you go run five miles than after you sit there and just sloth around. Yeah. You get that runner's high. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jimmy, I'm, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you came on and you know, we'll, I mean, obviously share the story. And if you want to get a hold of Jimmy, well, you'll have all the, all the options in the, in the links below, but Again, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. For everybody listening, millennial-manhood.com. Always check it out there. Info at mmcip.co. If you got questions or criticism, keyword is constructive criticism. Don't just complain. You got to offer a solution. Uh, we don't take complainers, only, only, only solution people. Um, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.